When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My Seven Chakras, episode 273. Look, man, if you climb these towers and you're scared, you're brave. If you climb these towers and you're not scared, you're a damn fool. The Seven Chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body, from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, the show where we provide you ancient wisdom, inspiring stories and action steps that will help you transform your life. So if you are new to our show, and I want to give you a warm, warm welcome. Now, before we actually begin today's episode, I've got a quick gift for you. If you're interested in working on your chakras, then you're going to really, really love this quick video training that I've put together for you. Uh, that will help you activate your subtle energies and feel your seven major chakras. I walk you through three ancient and powerful methods that will help you start send, sensing your biofield, start sensing your, uh, your chakras and, and uh, getting ready to heal and balance your chakras as well. To get started for free, uh, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 1111. That's my 7 chakras. Uh, com forward slash 1111, my7chakras.com one, forward slash 1111. And now let's bring on our special guest for today, James Creighton. So James, thank you so much for joining me. Are you ready to inspire? <laughs> I'll certainly try. <laughs> Wonderful. So Action Tribe, James Creighton is the author of Loving Through Your Differences, Building Strong Relationships from Separate Realities. He's a psychologist and relationship consultant who has worked with couples and conducted communications training for nearly 50 years. In Loving Through Your Differences, the book that we're going to speak about today, he draws on latest research in cognitive science and development psychology to show how we invent our realities with our perceptual minds. He then provides clear and concrete tools for shifting our perceptions and reframing our responses. Now, this is super exciting, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Today's episode, uh, from the lens of the chakras, is all about the heart and the throat chakra, how we communicate effectively, and how to build strong and thriving relationships with our significant others. And as on today, it's been two days since Valentine's Day is over, right? Which is great uh, to celebrate and cherish your love. But what about the rest 364 days. We're going to cover many topics in today's session, such as how we create our own realities, how our values and personal myths define our lives, guidelines for effective communication, how to create an environment for sharing and expressing, and how to prevent escalations and much more. So if you're interested in any of these topics, then make sure that you stay till the very end because this is going to be amazing. And if you have any questions after today's session, then hit me up, aj at my 7 aj at my 7 So James, once again, thank you for joining me. Uh, and like every episode, we begin with an inspirational quote. So what is that one quote that you'd like to share with us and how do you apply that to your day-to-day life? Well, I'll give you the uh, 
the quote and then talk about an experience I had before I'd heard of the quote that, uh, that led me to the same conclusion. This is from Nelson Mandela. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but who conquers that fear. And uh, my discovery of this, uh, during uh, college, I earned money for college during the summers by working on the very tall high voltage towers, the metal metal towers that occasionally you see running along the highway. And uh, I would climb up the towers and we would, the power would be off on one side and we would use a ground stick to test and uh, actually clean off the insulators so that the uh, electricity couldn't dark to the towers. And this is the very first day I was uh, climbing up the tower with a, somebody who was going to show me how to do it. And I was slow. Yeah. I, I was ponderously working my way up and uh, he could see that I was having a problem. And his comment, sort of a down, down and dirty version of Nelson Mandela's is, look, man, if you climb these towers and you're scared, you're brave. You climb these towers and you're not scared. You're a damn fool. <laughs> and so I, I got it. Like, uh, okay, uh, fear, uh, courage is not the absence of fear. Mm-hmm. Courage is you do what has to be done anyhow. And uh, that was a real important lesson for me, one that's been valuable all my life. Wonderful, wonderful. That's really, really profound. And I'm sure people watching and listening to the stream right now are able to relate as well. I mean, I've heard of so many great leaders, influencers, uh, and no matter who's successful in life, all of them vouch for the same thing that you mentioned right now is that everyone's afraid. Everyone feels that fear deep within, whether it's, you know, going on stage or starting something new or, um, uh, you know, doing something that they haven't done before. But once we push beyond that, once we go beyond that fear, that's when the magic begins to happen. So thanks a lot for starting this uh, interview with such a good vibe. Uh, My question is, what inspired you to write your book, Loving Through Your Differences? Well, most couples fight, and some couples fight a little, and some couples fight a lot, and uh, in my marriage, we fought a lot. Yeah. And uh, now, 53 years later, I've learned some things about what works and what doesn't work to, to, yeah. to help deal with it and so on. Um, so one, one, one way of looking at this book is it's sort of a summary of what I learned for the first 50 years yeah. and uh, a ways to go still. The, uh, there are some specific skills and certainly some attitudes that make a huge difference in whether or not you resolve things well. Now, the immediate impetus for this book was uh, I, I wrote a book about 20 years ago, and it had some of what I've learned. Right. But the thing I've been noticing in the last 20 years is so many of the conflicts are based on what I would call different realities. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by a different reality, you can see it in a real simple solution, a real simple example, like you go to a movie with your, with your partner, and... Uh, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was fascinating and so forth. My wife is bored to tears. She can't stand (laughs) car chases. Right. And we could get into an argument about, is it was a really great movie or it was a really stupid movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with a little skill, you could turn that into a major disagreement and so forth and so on. What I learned was it's true that I was entertained and excited by the movie. It was equally true that she was bored by the movie. Right. So two people can have entirely different realities of the same thing. She brought her set of meanings to the situation, and I brought my set of meanings to the situation. And we got an entirely different result. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying, and I, and I found extend it from a silly go to the movie thing to uh, how you spend money, how you're going to raise kids, uh, sexuality, 
uh, on and on and on and on. Right. What you'll find is nobody else in the world has exactly the same emotional reality you do. Because your reality, what you experience as feelings, right. is not just the result of the external event, but the meaning that you're brought to that event. Right, right, right. That's really, really profound. I mean, it's like the same experience, right? The same movie, but two different people or maybe two different groups uh, related to it differently. They have different value sets. They have different experience to draw on, different memories, and that creates a different reality. So on a, on a macro level, what does the science have to say about this? Are we individually creating different and leading different realities altogether? <laughs> Well, at least, at least emotional realities. Uh, I don't know how far this extends into sure. the physical world, but certainly they're creating different emotional realities. Yeah, the, the neuroscientists now are moving much towards the role we play in creating the experience. Their, their, their description now is that what children do, what babies do, yeah. is actually predict what something means, and then based on what what they get back, it either worked or it didn't work. And they have millions and millions of these little predictions that go on every day. Right. Pretty soon, you are so fixed in your predictions, you'll probably see that whether it's there or not. Right. So it's like a child is, to my understanding, more of a scientist or like an experimenter, right? Because they don't know anything. I mean, it's like they don't know if that object is hot or cold, but it's all about trying different things. And as time passes, as you, know, you evolve and grow in society, you stop, you stop trying because you have these preconceived notions that have been projected onto you by society. Uh, so, so let's talk about arguments. You've written that arguments about who's right and who's wrong can be resolved by employing a new style of communication. So how does one go about doing this? And what are some tips and guidelines that you'd recommend for maybe couples who are watching or listening to this episode right now? Okay. Well, first of all, implicit in what we've just been saying is that the attitude with which you, you deal with the difference sure. is that, that difference occurs because the other person has a different reality than mine. That's that's a whole different attitude than this person has a different reality than mine. They're wrong, bad, stupid, crazy, so forth and so on. Okay. Uh, most of the time, most of us learned, however, to start with the uh, if if they have a different reality, there's something wrong with them. Mm. Start if you start out and said everything's fine, everything's right with them. It's just that their life has led them to a place where they interpret. The meaning of an event different. And you can you can see this dramatically. Uh, just recently, Colin Kaepernick, the 49ers quarterbacks, settled yeah. his differences with the National Football League. But that was a wonderful example because he he would kneel down. Yeah. And the reactions to that ranged all the way from he's he's a wonderful leader and natural born so civil rights leader or something, all yeah. the way over to it was treasonous. Yeah. Now all he did was kneel down. Yeah. All the stuff about seeing him as a wonderful leader, all the way over to his treasonous, was created by the by the observer, by the person who saw, by the meaning that that person brought to the event, and so on. And that's sort of what I'm saying about all the conflicts that that we get into are, are start with that thing. Now, there's kind of a predictable pattern to fights. Sure starts out with usually with blaming and accusing of saying you did this you did that so forth and so on mm -hmm. and since the other person doesn't say yes sir uh what happens is the next step is often that you expand the issue okay and what i mean by this is you start off with somebody left the cap off the toothpaste lid yeah and it moves from that to you're always so messy messy and you're thoughtless Oh. This is the whole way you are in life. And it's not just me that feels that way. Your mother said that you you were always like that. And on a, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And if you really work at it, you can you know break break up the relationship. Now what you're doing is if it didn't get compliance at the first level, yeah. you're now expanding it 
to you're, you're messy, you're thoughtless, then you're always like this in life. And then you're bringing in ammunition from other people. And then you're, you finally reach a stage where the whole point of the interaction is to hurt the other person, either psychologically or even physically. Right. Um, and so now one of the things couples can do is to begin to recognize those escalation patterns from stage to stage. Yeah. You can, yeah. my <clears throat> the thing I'd want to say is that he brings his family's rules into the relationship and she brings her family's rules into the relationship, usually pretty unconscious about the fact that they even have rules and so on. Right. And it's only when they smash up against each other that uh, you, you find out, yeah, they have some rules. And my experience is the only way you can handle that is to go from his rules, her rules, to our rules. Mm. So you, you actually set rules. For example, uh, my wife said, uh, don't expand the issue rule. Okay. And so we start to start to have a fight, and I move from the toothpaste cap up to you're always so messy and so forth. And she can call me on it. So you just expanded the issue. And grudgingly, I'll right. move, move back on that. Now, another one uh, rule we use is uh, don't use other people as ammunition. Because mm -hmm. one of the, at the, at the higher levels, what you tend to do is drag in other people, uh, authorities, relatives, whatever mm -hmm. you can to strengthen your position. Of course, what the other person does is they, they try to top that with what they've gotten. So right. we, we, we've set a rule that, you know, uh, don't, don't use other people's ammunition. And couples can set rules like that that will help a great deal. Love that. I love the fact that, uh, you know, you, you have rules and then you can set rules that can sort of guide the, um, uh, the communication or the conversation, especially if there's a chance of it escalating. And thanks a lot for breaking down uh, how an issue arises, right? How an, how an argument sort of escalates from stage to stage. It all, it all starts with a small action, uh, something that might be insignificant, but that action can uh, become uh, an accusation about who a person is or isn't. And then you sort of draw that on to, you know, this is how your family is, or this is how you've come from. And so you're uh, escalating it from stage to stage. Um, but, you know, you can do something at every stage. And, and thanks a lot for bringing that to our awareness right now. You write about something called responsibility. Uh, you use this term in your book. What exactly is responsibility? Well, and trying to get at the fact that we create our own meanings. Mm -hmm. And therefore, well, one particular application of this is, therefore, when we communicate our feelings, we don't blame the other person for our feelings. We accept okay. responsibility for, uh, for having created it and, for, and now for sharing it. And uh, going back to the example of the movie theater, I come out and say, it's a great movie. She'll say, uh, it's a dumb movie. You're adolescent to even enjoy it. And so on and on. Okay. The, uh, anytime you share two judgments, it's a good mm -hmm. movie, it's a bad movie. So forth. those two contradict and create conflict by their very nature. Mm -hmm. If I, if instead I share my feeling, which is, I really enjoyed that. And she shares her feeling. I was bored to tears. Mm -hmm. Those two realities can coexist side by side. It's possible for two people to go to a movie and one to be really intrigued and the other be bored to tears. Uh, and so one of the things we talk about in the book is how you communicate your feelings to the other person. Okay. You communicate actual feelings, hurt, angry, sad, frustrated, and so forth. And why you feel that way, excuse me, and uh, avoid communicating judgments and so on, because judgments by their very nature exclude any different judgment. So, right. Now, one of the things my wife and I have learned is when we're really upset, and that mm. happens from time to time, 
uh, we're not going to be able to do a good job of listening to the other person. So one of the rules that we use is something called the five-minute rule. Okay. And the five-minute rule is, uh, it's kind of a super rule. It, it got trumps everything else. And the something happens, I can see us beginning to escalate. I yell, five-minute rule, and so forth. And at that point, all we do is stop dead and mm. decide who goes first. And if we can't agree, we can flip a coin, so forth. And that person then gets five minutes to say whatever he or she wants any way they want without any interruption and preferably without any loud body language. Okay. They, then it switch. The other person gets the five minutes. Now, why it works is because for five minutes, nobody's, tell, nobody's contradicting you. Mm -hmm. Nobody's telling you you're bad, stupid, or crazy for being right. the way that you do. And kind of the heat kind of goes out of it so that you can listen to each other. My, my experience is after about four minutes, I'm even boring myself. Yeah. <laughs> the, it's, it's a long enough period of time that the, you, you, you get to a point where you, you say, well, that's all I have to say. Okay. And uh, that's not a bad ending to a, to a discussion. From there, you can, you can go on to other problem solving and so forth and so on. So uh, both in sending and in listening. On listening, we, we teach a skill of learning to summarize what the other person feels and thinks and checking mm -hmm. it out with them. Mm -hmm. And that's an extraordinarily valuable skill in life, period. But as I say, there are times when you're too upset to do it, and uh, a five-minute rule is a real lifesaver. So Action Drive, I hope you are watching this right now and taking notes if possible. A lot of golden nuggets are being shared. Firstly, what I learned from this is the idea that two separate realities can coexist, even though you are uh, having a different value system or different beliefs or different ideas, different opinions, it doesn't matter. Even if you have different, you, 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 know, you support different uh, parties, political parties, it doesn't matter. Two identities realities can exist as long as you uh, recognize your differences and allow the person to share, to communicate and voice their opinion. And the other thing uh, like we're learning, uh, learning today is the five minute rule. It's simple, but it's so powerful. Sometimes, especially in a relationship, all the other person needs is just a forum for expressing their voice, sharing the truth and, you know, just sharing what's going on in their life. And like James so wonderfully mentioned, within the fourth minute, uh, both parties might feel so much better. One is just actively listening. The other one is just sharing. Uh, and I think this is something that each and every one of us can implement in our own lives, the five-minute rule. Thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, <laughs> now, now, speaking about uh, you know, creating this environment, right? Uh, before a person is willing to share their feelings or what is on their mind, they need to be able to feel safe and not be worried about being judged or criticized like you've written in your book. What are some other guidelines that we can use for responsible communication so that we can set that environment? Could you walk us through some of them? Well, one of the big things is if we... If our feelings are a result not just of the external event, but the meanings okay. that we bring to them, we can, we're responsible for our examining our own meanings, uh, mm. the, own, our, the uh, stuff that, that we, we bring to an event. Uh, had a, I had a guy in a class who, who liked to go hunting with his buddies, and it, periodically he'd go off, and when he got home, his wife would meet him with, you know, question after question, did you do this, did you see that, and so forth. And he always interpreted that as, she's checking up on me. Ah, okay. And then he would get resentful and reactive, and pretty soon it was getting to the point he almost didn't want to go on a trip because it always ended up in this fight. Sure. Uh, we worked with him a little bit on what, what were the possible meanings of her behavior. Mm -hmm. Checking up on him was certainly one of them. But we also realized it could mean that she was really saying, I feel insecure and, want, and need to be reassured that, you know, you love me and care for me and so forth. Sure. And he found that meaning 
explained his wife's behavior as well as she was trying to control him. And if he came in and she started asking questions, and he interpreted that as she needs reassurance, if he would act reassuring instead of acting resentful, yeah. the situation changed very, very rapidly and so on. So that it no longer became a problem. But he had taken responsibility for changing his meaning. And then you don't con yourself on this. It, ha it has to do as good, a good a job of explaining the, the real facts out there as, as the other explanation did. But many times a quick change of, of meaning can uh, kind of reframe the entire situation. And I think there's a, a wonderful example of this in, uh, in Huck Finn. It's either Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn. Um, Huck gets stuck having to whitewash his fence yeah. on a holiday. And his friends who are, who are free to play and enjoy themselves and so on, come by and see him having to do the fence. And they start teasing him and laughing at him and so forth and so on. Uh, he was talented enough at being able to reframe the situation that he soon presented it as a boy only has a few chance in life to whitewash a fence. I mean, it was a big deal, a, re yeah. a real honor. And before long, the kids are paying him so that they can take a turn whitewashing the fence. But the point being that the same event, still whitewashing the fence, but whether it was something terrible that he had to do or it was something neat and a real honor and so depended on how it, how it was framed. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks a lot for uh, sharing that story. And I'm sure everyone has heard this story, right? I mean, I think this story is there in everyone's uh, school book, Huckleberry Finn. He had to whitewash that fence. Yeah. Tough job, boring job, monotonous. But he reframed the situation in such a way that not only made it sound exciting and fun, but also got people to pay him for that monotonous job. So uh, remember that, especially when you're in a group scenario, when you're, uh, you know, just two parties, uh, talking about a specific event. It's not just about the event, but the meaning that you derive from it. And through discussion, through open communication, you can change that meaning so that, uh, you know, there's no animosity, but there's peace and, and goodwill. Now, uh, I love the topic of myth. Uh, and this is something you write, that you write about in your book as well. Um, you know, Joseph Campbell speaks a lot about myth, right? The concept of myth and how it impacts our lives. You write about myths in your books and how they shape our reality. Some myths serve us and some don't. So for those listening, you know, what exactly are myths and how do they impact our lives? Okay. Well, this, the, the idea of family myths is something that family therapists have dealt with a lot because they, sure. they realize that people develop perceptions of other people in the family and, uh, and often the person who's the subject of those projections begins to accept that's the way he is. I mean, if you tell a kid he's stupid, that's a pretty sure, surefire way uh, he'll be stupid. You know, yeah. that, will, that will happen. Yeah. Uh, the, what we're after here, well, let me give you an example from a couple I, I saw. He was raised uh, in an immigrant family. Yeah. And for them, being able to show their friends and neighbors that they had made it, had arrived was a really important thing. They, they, they needed to show off a little bit to say, see, I've made it. I've, I've worked hard and we've arrived. Sure. His wife was raised in a multi-generation uh, steel mill family. Okay. Uh, whose values instead were don't get above yourself. Don't think, don't think you're more important or better than the people around you and so forth. Sure. And she, she hadn't, she'd strained the family myth by going off to college. Uh, so it was already a little bit strained. Came time to buy a car and he wanted to buy a Mercedes. Sure. So he could show off, you know, we've, 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 for her, it was a horror. She, she wouldn't even get in the car because to her, that was trying to be above myself, above herself. So forth. Okay. And so, what was happening was when they're trying to decide on a car, what, what kind of car that was mattered only to the extent that they acted out this 
strain between two different ways of uh, of what the car, two different ways the car meant to them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of now there are family rules that get or myths that get made about you. Uh, you may be the comic in the family. Uh, you may be the the slow, steady one. Yeah. You may be the troublemaker. Uh, okay. On, yeah. And the family builds these things, and, and it's you. You tend to take these on, and now part of it is we, we take on we take on the family meaning, and we project it out into the world. But it's also when we relate to other people, we give the other people subtle cues about what they're supposed to be like and who they're supposed to, who they who they are and so on. And people tend to accept and act these out. One of the things I remember very distinctly was a, a research that was done on some school children. Yeah. And the psychologist at the beginning of the school year went to the teacher and said, well, these seven students here should should just blossom this year. They should be yeah. really, really well. Right. Now, these seven children have been picked entirely at random. There was no okay. reason they couldn't have picked seven other children. But sure enough, at the end of the year, those seven children had done exceptionally well. Wow. Somehow or other, the teacher was cueing them mm-hmm. that, you know, that's that's your job to do exceptionally well. People get the cues. So this is what people call a self-fulfilling prophecy. We, we have a belief about what's supposed to happen in life. We act in ways that cause other people to support that belief. Yeah. Then turns around and says, see, I was right all along. <laughs> and, and we do that to ourselves over and over and over again. Wow, that's so fascinating. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a lot of information shared over here. Actually, Tribe, I hope you are watching the power of uh, self fulfilling prophecies, the power of uh, recognizing these myths in your life, uh, in your family that either serve or do not serve you, and how you can, you know, change them and, and transform your life. These are powerful things. Now, here's what I'm curious about. Uh, how did you get started as a psychologist and a relationship consultant, James? How did it all begin? Well, I had uh, a troubled childhood in the sense that my father had mental illness. Okay. Uh, today, we would call it bipolar, but called manic depressive in those days. And I was the designated scapegoat in the family, mm-hmm. so that any all his bad feelings tended to get act out, acted out on me. Uh, my mother was ill-equipped to deal with this. She came from a fairly limited background where the, she wasn't exposed to a lot of psychological things or anything else. So she went at one point to a school nurse and tried to get the school nurse to uh, to intervene somehow and was, was encouraged talk it over with me, but didn't. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was an adolescent, uh, and I had two older brothers, both of whom themselves had gone into therapy, yeah. I was encouraged to get some therapy and, and be, kind of began the path that did uh, that. I then was fortunate enough to kind of luck out into a... Uh, attending a very, very early growth center. This is like 1961, 62, uh, where we did lots of experimental things that have become standard therapeutic practice today from everything from just physical relaxation exercises on up to art therapy and drama therapy and so forth and so on. So that, that was a major event for me. But one thing that happened was my, I was married, and my first wife died quite suddenly, and I remarried. And about six months later, I found I was having exactly the same fight that I had with my first wife. Now, I could sort of understand how I, I knew the script, yeah. but how did she know the script? And it was obvious that I was doing things that were somehow cueing certain behaviors back from her and so on. And we had married and created a conglomerate family with five teenage children. And uh, a line between bravery and foolhardiness is very thin indeed. And uh, my academic psychology wasn't worth much at all. 
And uh, so I got involved in a program called Parent Effectiveness Training, which is teaching active listening and eye messages and mutual problem solving skills to parents who are working with kids. And I became an instructor and later on a, a manager in that program. And <clears throat> that, that sort of launched me. That and my wife and I were still having problems. And so we, we went together to some therapists Actually, I got that five-minute role from yep. the therapist that, that we had. And I just, we fought enough that I wanted to figure out how to do better. I didn't like what was, what was happening. And so I kind of glommed on to any, any skill, any, uh, anything I could find that w- would help us all. And that's, so, this book is sort of a summary of all of the different lessons that I've picked up along the way. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks a lot. And I'm sure listeners are truly thrilled to be able to glean and, and, and get all this information that you're sharing that is worth decades and decades of, of uh, learning and observation. So that's, that's fascinating. Now, if you had to share one action step for people who are listening or watching this episode right now, based on our conversation, what would that be? Just one action step. Well, I think, I think we already touched on it in a way, which is that the, the difference between whether you assume the other person is a bad person, that if they're good, they would agree with you, but instead assume they have a different reality. And my job is not to correct their reality. Mm-hmm. My job is to understand their reality and understand why they're there. Uh, I think that that probably does more than anything else to change kind of, kind of your stance when you're in a conflict. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks a lot for sharing. Uh, Action Drive to read the entire show notes for today's episode, including uh, the inspirational quote that was shared, the links that were mentioned, and nuggets of wisdom that you might not have been able to capture right away. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash 273. That's the episode number for today. My7chakras.com forward slash 273. The more you read, the more things you'll know. The more you learn, the more places you will go. Now, this is an amazing quote, Action Tribe, by Dr. Seuss. And it's so true because reading books has enhanced my life experiences and has taken me places. But the truth is that it can be hard to consistently read new books, right? Especially if you're a busy person. And that's why for the last few months, I've been loving this app called Blinkist. And this app has the best takeaways and information from thousands of non-fiction books. And they're all condensed into just 15 minutes, which you can either read or listen. So this way you can finish four new books a day while you're on the go. Isn't that amazing? Life of me can be busy because I'm either running our podcast, My 7 Chakras, managing our Chakra Sprint program, or planning new projects. And the reason I love Blinkist is that I can just take out my phone press a button and start reading a brand new book. It's so quick. And I usually do my reading when I'm at a coffee shop or in between work sessions. Most recently, I've read The Seven Spiritual Laws by Deepak Chopra and Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, which is actually currently in trending. And right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com forward slash action tribe to start your seven day trial. That's Blinkist spelled B L I N K I S T. Blinkist.com slash action tribe to start your free seven day trial. Action tribe Blinkist is our sponsor and has really supported our show. So I highly recommend that you check out their app because you are going to love it. That's my promise to you. Go to Blinkist.com slash action tribe to start your free seven-day trial. Check it out. Unconditional love really exists in each of us. It's part of our deep inner being. It's not so much an active emotion as a state of being. It's not, I love you for this or for that reason. Not, I love you if you love me. It is love for no reason. Love without an object. Now, this is as an amazing quote by Ram Das, Action Tribe. There is so much truth in this particular statement. We all know it. We feel it deep within. Uh, It's the essence within us. It's our inner being, the pure energy that cares for one another and all 
living beings. It's hard to explain. It's hard to quantify. It's hard to put into words, but we can just feel it. Uh, and the more that we do, the more we experience uh, that sensation of healing, that sensation of bliss. It's love for any reason and love for no reason. And as Ram Das put it, it's love without an object. It's giving with no expectation in return. So when you experience obstacles, when you experience life challenges, action try remember that there is something out there. There is an infinite intelligence. There's a universal consciousness and energy that loves you unconditionally, that cares for you, and that is here to protect you. Feel it, believe it, and know it because it's there. So James, talk to us about one major life challenge that you had to go through in your life. Uh, how did you encounter it and what did you do to come out of it? Well, actually, I was thinking about what you were saying about the unconditional love. And I've had gone through therapeutic experiences which sort of felt like getting rid of all the crud and corruption for the last few years. Uh, these stuff with my wife that had built up and so forth. And it was a, a fascinating phenomenon because the minute I kind of got all that stuff gone, what you described occurred. I mean, I just it was kind of like wide open, loving. There wasn't any question. You didn't have to, do I love her? I don't, I love her. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just there. And uh, then I begin building up stuff again and have to go through another experience. <laughs> 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 but the, uh, it's sort of like the, the underlying, uh, the underlying reality that will come out the minute I can get get rid of some of that stuff, is as you say, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Now, like you mentioned, you've gone through numerous obstacles, numerous challenges uh, in your relationships, maybe with your wife and other challenges as well. Out of all of that, what is that one life lesson that you'd like to share with our audience watching and listening right now? Actually, I think I'd go back pretty much to where we started, which is that um, fear is something you just move through. It's uh, it's there. You feel it. Yeah, oh, I'm afraid, but this is what has to be done, and and you do it. And I'm amazed how often in life things that seem like giant obstacles. If you just kind of live with it and deal with it with what you can do and let go of what you can't do and so on, yeah. oftentimes they just seem to evaporate. Mm. It's uh, I've had all kinds of challenges that if I don't get too upset about it and I just deal with it and deal with it and deal with it, suddenly something happens and they're not, I mean even even with the Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conflict, 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 and we just dealt with it and dealt with it and dealt with it. And finally it resolved. And uh, I felt good about it, they felt good about it, so so on. So just just do it. Don't worry about all the horrible things that could happen to you, because they often don't. Well, thanks a lot for sharing, Action Drive. I hope you're enjoying today's session as much as I am. We still have the last portion of today, the wisdom round still left. Uh, But before we get there, I've got a quick message for you. It's time you paid attention to everything happening in your life right now. All the magical moments that you experience from time to time, the obstacles that present themselves out of nowhere, the difficult circumstances that you might experience or that you might be currently in at the moment uh, and the goals that you have for your life, the dreams, the aspirations, the desires, all of that. Pay attention to all of these um, experiences it's time to become more mindful of each and every moment uh, that you experience each day because uh, the life that we're living right now is so precious. Pay attention to the subtle nudges, the signs, the symbols, the synchronicities that are in your life on an ongoing basis because I believe that there's a spirit team that is in the background that is conspiring to make things work for you, to make things happen for you. And remember this, the universe cannot live your life for you. It can only create circumstances for you. You make the decisions, you overcome your challenges and you learn the lessons that you have to, to ascend to the next level of consciousness. It's to, it's time to remember who you truly are because you have greatness within you. And as Alan Cohen once put every choice before you 
represents the universe inviting you to remember who you truly are and what you want. So keep that in mind. And with that, we are at the last round for today, which is the wisdom round. So James, are you ready? <laughs> well, tell me, tell me what I need to do here. <laughs> sure. It's very simple. Four questions, uh, sort of like an action um, um, rapid fire round for our community. Uh, but the first question is, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received in just one sentence? <clears throat> when, when you're afraid, acknowledge you're afraid, but, but don't let the fear prevent you from acting. Mm-hmm. If you could turn back time and spend one hour with anyone who is currently living or maybe dead, who would it be? Oof. There are a couple of very wise therapists along the way that I'd like to go back and say, okay, here's where, here's where we left it 20 years ago. Let's stop now and talk about what, what it did with it. Wonderful. Uh, that, would, that would be delightful. What is that one thing in the morning that you do or maybe in the evening before going to sleep that really um, transforms or has improved the quality of your life? Well, I do meditate, although uh, not of late it has it's been kind of put aside because I'm dealing with uh, my wife has uh, dementia and I'm having to be a full time care caretaker and I seem not to find much time for meditating. Uh, I do some relaxation exercises. That's crucial because mm-hmm. uh, your body gets too tense. You can't. You can't even get to the deeper feelings. You just yeah. get all tied up on the surface. So, uh, and I do, I do kind of at the beginning of the day, review the day and what I want to accomplish out of the day, and, and get get a focus for how to get there and, and, and make what I want to have happen. Got it. Got it. Thanks a lot for sharing. And if you could recommend one book for people watching or listening right now, one book for Action Tribe, what would that be? Well, I, was, I knew you were going to ask this question. I've been thinking about what, what books were crucial for me. And a book that was very important to me at the time was Scott Peck's The Road Less Travel. Okay. And in it, he talks, more than anything else, he confirmed the kind of the path of doing doing therapy exploring yourself you know working working stuff through getting getting clear on family myths and what to do about them and so forth and so on he also was a great believer in community and in fact established several now that was 40 years ago mm-hmm. and whether that's the book that i would find so meaningful now i don't know my experience is that books kind of come to you when you need them. Yeah. And uh, they, they have great value then. And sometimes you go back and look at them and wonder why on earth was this so significant? But yeah. that is, that is one book that I remember did, did help change my life. Action Tribe, the road less traveled. And in case you didn't know, audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to get to check out their service. They are pretty much the largest library of audiobooks online to uh, grab your free audiobook. I believe this should be there in their library, but you can double check to grab your free audiobook today. Go to my seven forward slash free book. That's my seven forward slash free book. They start listening to your next book. So James, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a fabulous experience, especially since uh, we're doing this uh, video stream for the very first time really enjoyed it. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you online. Well, actually, I'm grateful that I found a publisher for the book and they've, they've been a wonderful publisher. Uh, the book is uh, Loving Through Your Differences, Building Strong Relationships from Separate Realities. And it's uh, published by uh, New World Library. It's available all the standard things, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, uh, where it should be read- readily available and so forth. Yeah. 
And uh, I find the most useful way of using the book is for a couple to do it together yeah. and work through a chapter at a time. So that if, uh, if you're reading about setting family roles, actually having experience of trying to set a few of them and so on, is, it helps the growth immensely. Got it, got it. So there you go, Action Tribe. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't discuss everything in the book. Uh, and as, you, as you're discussing, the book encapsulates what James has learned over the last few decades. Uh, so make sure you grab that book. If any of the topics that we spoke about resonated with you, uh, go to my7chakras.com forward slash 273 book. It's my7chakras.com forward slash 273 book to grab that book on Amazon right away and start uh, using these methods and principles and techniques to uh, become a better listener, become a better husband or a wife, and really have that thriving relationship that you truly deserve. James, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about loving through our differences um, and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Enjoy talking with you, AJ. You are listening to my seven chakras. Go to my s e v e n chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired, and take action. Transform your life today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.